0: Welcome to Psychopath in Your Life. This is episode number 58, and I'm your host, Diane Emerson. I'm the author of the book Psychopaths in Our Lives My Interviews, and that's available on Amazon and iBooks. And I'd like to continue, as it turns out, there's going to be actually five episodes of Projective Identification, and so this will be part four. But what I'd like to note is that this relationship went on for, I think, 14 years or so, so there's some some things you'll hear that'll start to repeat, but just pay attention to how much hope was given to this situation and when we're talking about projective identification, I mean, in this case, it's the psychopath's mother. But, you know, it, it could be another person in in this scenario other than the mother. You know, it could be a sister, a brother, somebody close to you. So it's just how it works having this third party involved. So anyway, so let's continue on with her story. So over the months leading up to my career transition, my abuser had changed quite a bit backing way off, and ceased to pressure me. He had been very supportive to me through a very difficult incident. I had begun to enjoy his company quite a bit, and as his one-year mark of continual therapy approached, I agreed to reconcile, and we had begun discussions about rebuilding the relationship and our plans for the future. What I had thought had been working out the specifics like whose apartment we would live in, turned out to have been coercive. He had refused to live in mine, stating that he would be uncomfortable there, so I compromised. It wasn't until a few years later that I recognized this moment in time, and it had all been a setup. I had agreed to move back to California, thinking it would at least give me the chance to work for a company with less stress. I found a job with a bonus in advance for the moving costs, which which was folded into my salary. I paid for almost the entire move, all the deposits, hotels, and it was more than $6,000. He paid for the truck. He asked me to be patient while he got on his feet. Five years later, when I separated from him, he had still never gotten on his feet. He had come complete with $60,000 worth of credit card debt. He insisted we could only live in the most expensive place in the area. And he had all of these things that he needed. And along the way, he kept trying to get me to agree to marry him. I kept having to do things that damaged me further in order to keep up with the mounting bills. Like not filing my estimated taxes. I tried to keep track of his running tab and what he owed me in an attempt to protect myself, but it was futile and useless. I was never going to see a dime of it. His compulsive spending on himself and his friends and refusal to pay off his debt had become a bone of contention. He promised to deal with it, but he never did a thing about it. Now when I read over this list again, I think to myself, oh, My goodness, how could you not have seen how totally used you were, how entirely disrespectful and downright sleazy all of this behavior is? But the events happened over time, gradually accumulating, and I also remember the blame shifting, excuses, promises, sly deflections, brain-twisting verbal sidesteps, and I remember how entirely weighed down with responsibility I was. I was on autopilot, too busy functioning to see or think straight, emotionally numb, tired. By the end of the first year after the move, though, I knew I was angry, anxious, unhappy, unsettled, feeling manipulated, yet unable to identify why or how it happened. I felt like my life was no longer mine and I had been reduced to nothing but a means for someone else's ends. The psychopath's credit card debt kept mounting and his self centeredness got worse and worse. I started working as many hours as I could just in order to keep a roof over our heads and to avoid really coming home. Nothing about this was my life. My life was gone. And I was in shock, bewildered, unclear as to how any of this had happened. I was unfair or selfish if I said anything about it. I was impatient or out of touch with the little guy, not understanding how the real world struggles due to my unfair advantages. You have money, I don't. You don't know what it's like to struggle. At various points throughout this period of time, I attempted to make corrective action. I tried to identify all of the areas in which I had been manipulated and attempted to address them. I demanded the psychopath get a real job. He did this eventually, but dragged his feet and ignored me at first. I demanded. There was no discussing, no solution finding, no concern for me and how his behavior was affecting me, there were plenty of empty promises to work on here. I brought up his continual debt on a regular basis. He ignored me and refused to address it while making empty promises to do something about it. The psychopath folded his attempt at the business, even though he'd been, started to be successful at it. I'll never really get that one. Then he got hired for a union job. Finally, his lifelong dream, just consistent work with benefits. Things improved a bit when that happened, but the rent kept going up and is blowing off the rest of his responsibility and promises continued. In light of the changes, even though it was like pulling teeth to gain those, I was getting depressed. This was not a relationship. I was a babysitter twenty-four-seven. If I missed even one beat, I ended up manipulated six ways to Sunday or multiple issues only be discovered at a later date. Sadly, I began to think back to conversations with the psychopath's mother, the ones where she had told me, accept him as he is. Fix yourself, or your relationship will never work. And my heart sunk. Had I ended up in this hell because I somehow thought I needed to prove something to myself? Partially, yes. I bought into that lie, but I had believed the psychopath when he told me he was a changed man. He loved me, and he wanted the chance to make up for how he had treated me in the past, wanted to rebuild our relationship and rebuild our future together. I wondered why I was putting myself through this when not only did it no longer feel like my life, but nothing was ever going to come back to me from the other end or would have been all along. I would periodically have flashes of my own perceptions cutting through the fog, only to fall back under. The costs to me were mounting by the second. I was lonely and got no emotional support from him either. I started resenting him, spending as much time as possible with my friends. Contemplating ending the relationship as I was giving up hope and was so angry at being manipulated into the situation, I felt trapped, unable to change things. I began to question my resentment and the fairness of it, questioning the validity of my own feelings and perceptions. I began to examine my resentment, recognizing that I was now, in my mind, holding him responsible for my unhappiness when it was up to me to decide I had had enough of lies and behavior that would never change, the needs that were never being met, the expectations that were being ignored. I wanted my life back. Was I being fair? Was I that incapable of communication? Or was it intentionally intentionally being ignored on his part? Was I giving up hope when there was a chance that things could be changed in the future? I hate that I allowed his mother anywhere near my mind and it made it much more difficult for me to sort out where my beliefs and feelings were coming from. Were they mine or were they hers? She had a talent for obliterating boundaries which rivaled her son's skills. In combination with the psychopath's confusing logic and mega manipulations, the fog was thick. Self-doubt, confusion, confusion, skewed perceptions, frustration, and all of that when he was not in my life. I was not in this kind of confusion and constant struggle. Maybe his mother was right. Maybe I thought, maybe I am incapable of being in a relationship. I thought I'd gained strength in the previous years. Now I doubted my perceptions and became so easily manipulated again. It had become impossible to think clearly. I began to question what I wanted from a relationship, knowing this was not it. I wanted an equal partner, not a son. I wanted to be appreciated, valued, supported in my efforts, and joined in mutual goals, not manipulated, conned, undermined, or used, and lied to constantly. I wanted reciprocity, and it became pretty clear. I had not and would not be getting any. All it had become was a struggle on my part to institute damage control and self-protect as much as possible. And it was time for me to end it if this was the case. While my abuser was still in therapy, I had hoped that the therapy was going to help him either deal with letting go of me or tackle his control and abuse issues. I felt extremely uncomfortable like maybe I wasn't being clear enough about my intentions. I was a little afraid of his persistence, and I struggled to assert my wishes without being nasty. He did not seem to respect me. I often wonder if I wasn't completely firm enough or if he simply did not acknowledge a word I said. But I said no a lot, and no seemed only to mean keep pressuring me until I wore down okay well that's going to conclude part four and like I mentioned in the beginning we will have the final part five which will be next week's episode so until then um, I do appreciate receiving all of your emails and support and look forward to hearing from you and be safe out there and talk to you next week goodbye for now